Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. Folks, I am so excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time, Lauren Baer, who is a managing partner at Arena, which is a organization that is working to train a pipeline of Democrats in order to be able to run for office, to run campaigns, to do all of the things that we need them to do in order to battle against Republicans. You know, I feel like Republicans do a much better job of building a pipeline. And let me be clear, their candidates are crap. <laughs> so it's it's amazing to me that they have such an incredible infrastructure that their folks can rely on churning out candidates after candidates. Talk to us about Arena and why you think that it was important to get to this place. Why is it important for us to have this kind of organization and infrastructure? We have a few. What is it that makes this one different? Well, well, first of all, Danielle, thank you so much for, for having me here today to talk about these really important issues. So Arena is an organization whose mission is to convene, train, and support the next generation of Democratic candidates and campaign staff. And we were born out of the 2016 election, but also out of a realization of precisely what you're pointing out, which is that Republicans for decades have invested in infrastructure, in, mm-hmm. in party infrastructure, in organizing infrastructure, in infrastructure that is enduring year over year, cycle over cycle. Um, and Democrats simply have not. You know, on our side, in some ways, we focused on candidates, on Mm -hmm. running really charismatic people for office. Um, But candidates don't win elections on their own. They require really strong, robust, well-trained teams around them and teams who represent the diversity of the country and the communities um, that they are running to represent. And so ARENA exists really to try to fill that gap 
on the Democratic side. And, and we do it through four different ways. We do it by running uh, training programs. We have a, mm-hmm. our flagship program called Arena Academy, which trains individuals how to be campaign staff, how to run campaigns, everything from being a campaign manager to doing data, digital, communications, fundraising. We have a careers team that works to place everyone we've trained on a campaign or working with a democratic or progressive organization, and then Mm -hmm. make sure that those people stay in the business cycle over cycle, year over year. We've got a suite of free downloadable tools, our arena toolbox, so that candidates and campaign staff can have the knowledge that for so long was held by an exclusive handful of people, to be honest, Mm -hmm. you know, mostly white men who'd worked in politics for some time. And then on top of all of that infrastructure building work, we also support candidates financially and by providing them with staff. And the kind of candidates that ARENA supports are those who are bringing new, fresh voices to the party, new perspectives, who are really um, running on a premise of, of generational change and making our party and our politics more reflective of the country as a whole. I love all of the all of the different parts that Arena brings to the table. And I, I want to talk for a minute, you know, particularly about campaign staff and why that's important. I think for too too long, we rely on passion, right? To get people interested in wanting to work on campaigns. It's usually younger folks, right? That have the passion, have the energy, you know, are going to live on the road uh, pre-COVID. That was, you know, that was the case in terms of campaigning. How do you get people interested? How do you draw people in to say, we need you? Because when folks think about, you know, I, I get asked the question all the time, Danielle, what can I do? right? Like we're losing. What can I do? And I tell them volunteer. I say donate. You know, it depends on your capacity. So for those people that say, what can I do? And they want to do more than just volunteer. They want to do more than just write a check. How do you connect those folks to these campaigns? Yeah. Well, what you're saying, Danielle, is is so right. Because like I said before, campaigns don't just run themselves. Uh, And I know this firsthand, I was a candidate for Congress Mm -hmm. in 2018. And I entered that race with with a ton of of passion, a ton of desire to serve my community, but no understanding of the mechanics of running a campaign and really relied on the team that I was able to build around me. But it was hard to recruit that staff. And it was doubly hard to recruit a staff that I wanted to be diverse, uh, that Mm -hmm. I wanted to be gender balanced, that I wanted to have BIPOC representation, that I wanted to have LGBTQ representation, because the the simple fact is it's been really hard to break into politics. You know, you mentioned that you've encouraged people to volunteer. And I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, political engagement, working in politics has been thought of as a a volunteer job for Mm -hmm. so long. And then by definition, that makes it a job for those individuals who can afford to work for free. Yep. At Arena, we're trying to upend that because we think politics actually needs to be a professional career and it needs to be accessible to everyone that the Democratic Party is trying to serve, which means it needs to recruit more people of color. We need to recruit more working class individuals. We need to make uh, politics uh, a career in which you can earn 
a living wage to, to draw the kind of talent that you, you want to, to bring to the table in order to win. And so what, what I would encourage, you know, anyone who's motivated, who wants to do something really substantive, you know, think about going to an arena academy, spending five days and learning what it really takes to, to run a campaign. We make a point of making sure that scholarships are available to everyone mm. who needs them. So you're going to not be paying a dime if you can't afford to pay that tuition for training. And then we work very hard with every person we've trained to help place them afterwards, because it can be an incredibly rewarding and fulfilling experience to find that candidate who you find inspiring, whether it's someone who's running for a school board or mayor to right. president, and then put in the work to get them elected and then bring that talent to the next race and the next one and the next one. So, you know, if, if there are people out there listening and that sounds inspiring to you, I, I really encourage you to start thinking about this, not just as a volunteer opportunity, but as a way to make a career path. And, and we will do everything we can to help make that possible for folks. You know, I'm so happy that you brought up, you know, the the pay because I think, you know, too, one of the issues and, and I and I feel maybe this is changing in Washington, D.C. But, you know, when I was there as a very as a very young person, you know, internships were unpaid. Working on the Hill was unpaid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I love the fact that your organization is making the connection between, well, if you're going to have something that is not paid or paid poorly, right, then you're carving out a certain group of people that can engage. Right. And that may not be the best people, but to to understand that for young people in particular or people that are looking for a career change, frankly, right, that want the opportunity to engage in a way that makes them feel like they are living and working on purpose, not being able to having to make a decision between a low paying job, putting food on your table and then wanting to do something of purpose shouldn't be a decision that people have to be forced to choose between. Right. And so for, for those BIPOC people in particular and LGBTQ people, how do you talk to them about why it's so important to have campaigns that look like the country as opposed to just looking like the candidate, you know, that they that they may like. But why is it so important, you think? Look, at, at the end of the day, campaigns are really about forming a human connection with voters. They are successful when that candidate connects with a voter, but they're also successful when that team connects with potential voters. And on any campaign, your campaign staff is really an extension of the candidate. They are representing that individual out in the community. They're making the case for why to elect them. And the fact of the matter is people are more engaged in politics, more trusting of people running for office when they can see themselves and in mm -hmm. some way reflected in the process. So if you're going into BIPOC communities, if you've got BIPOC staff who can go into those communities, who can speak to the issues um, from a point of having experienced them themselves mm -hmm. um, in a way with, that has authenticity, that gains trust, that's going to take you farther. As a member of the LGBTQ community, I can say that the number of folks who stepped into my campaign office when I was running because they knew I was an openly gay candidate and because I had openly gay members of my team and said, I've never done anything political 
I don't often vote, but in you, I see someone for the first time who's representing me in politics. And that's what's drawing me in. And so I think that's the the case to be made is that Mm -hmm. so many times marginalized communities don't see this work as their work because they've been left out of the process. But we really have an opportunity to open up whole new swaths of the electorate and bring people in if we have uh, staff and folks on campaigns who are more broadly reflective of, of the community. And, you know, the, the one thing I would add to that is, is mm-hmm. so that arena, you know, we have a toolbox which teaches you how to build a campaign, but our tools aren't just the nuts and bolts of this is how you make a finance plan. This is how you buy your digital ads. We also have tools in there like how to build a racially just and equitable campaign, how to think mm. about unionization issues on campaigns, how Mm -hmm. to think about wage issues and health insurance, because what needs to change is the entire mindset that campaigns could somehow be run in a way that's different um, than any other employment uh, environment would be run. And they still expect to recruit top-notch diverse talent. We as a party have to live up to our own values in the way that we run our campaigns as well as in the way that we deliver on policy once we're in office. You know, Lauren, many people over the last four plus years have gotten such a terrible taste in their mouth with regard to politics, right? We saw through the Trump administration just how vile, how cruel our politics can get. What do you say to those people that, You know, because of COVID, because we were all in our homes, we are all paying attention to the same thing at the same time, which hasn't happened since the advent of social media, frankly. Right. What do you say to those people that have a newly recognized appreciation for the importance of politics in their lives, but are also disgusted by it or also like this is too toxic and and I don't want any part of it? What do you say to those folks? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing I do is acknowledge that those those feelings are very real. The last four plus years have been a very challenging time to turn on the television, to look at the newspaper, to ingest what's going on and that that vitriol and that hate and then feel like that's something you want to to jump into. I mean, it's it's not unnatural that the instinct is to, in some ways, want to to pull back and pull away from that. But at a basic level, I, I think politics can be driven by one or one of two things. It, it can be driven by hope or it can be driven by fear. And yep. and Donald Trump and the Republican Party have very much leaned into this fear-based politics, mm-hmm. hate mongering appealing to our basis instincts, trying to make people turn against their neighbors and think of them as somehow other. And if that's not appealing to you, it's only going to change if you lean into the alternative, which is a hope-based politics, uh, a politics uh, you know, of the nature of an Obama or, or Biden or any number of the inspiring individuals who run for House or Senate or City Council in the past four years. And you offer an alternative vision that is truer uh, to the values on which our country is founded. And 
and truer to the direction that we hope our, our country will, will go. So, you know, that, that's what I, I try to say is to, you know, yeah. lean, lean into that hope. And then the other thing that I would say to folks is, uh, you know, in, in a previous life, back, back during the Obama administration, I spent six years working as a foreign policy official at the State Department. And I focused on democracy and human rights. And part of what my job was, was looking at democratic backsliding in other countries around mm-hmm. the world, pointing out to our own government when there were red flags being raised uh, that countries that were democratic were actually headed in the wrong direction. Because we know democracy isn't a one-way street. Just because you got no, there doesn't mean you stay there. And it doesn't mean you're, you're becoming Democrat, more democratic every single day. And it was terrifying to me post-2016 to start to see those same red flags that I'd seen in other countries in my own country. Mm-hmm. I never imagined I would be confronted with that. And I think, you know, we saved ourselves from the brink with the 2020 election and getting Trump out of office. But the work is not over yet. Our democracy no. is still incredibly unstable. And you just need to look at voter suppression laws, restrictions on civil rights, environmental backsliding, to know that what we have right now is very fragile. And so what I would also say to people is that if you care about our country and care about it living up to its best ideals, then in some way, engagement is not a choice. It's, it's a necessity. I love it's that. something you have to do to save mm-hmm. um, the vision of the country that you believe in. You know, I, I love that you said that engagement is not a choice. I think that we too often pose it, mm-hmm. right? Pose politics as in something that you can choose to opt in or opt out of. And I, I hope you know, one, I, I have said on Woke AF for the longest time that I do believe that all we did was hit pause on our sliding into authoritarianism. Yep. I do not think that the election hit stop. But what I am hopeful of is that the historic turnout that we saw in 2020, the historic turnout that brought us the Biden-Harris administration will again, folks recognize that if I stay home, right? Those Trumpers, those people that are working overtime to gaslight us into believing uh, the exceptionalism of this country without the analysis Mm -hmm. that are trying to take away every single right that women, LGBTQ people, black folks and brown folks have fought for since the beginning of time, that without their engagement, right, we will remain on the brink and there may not be an opportunity for us to be pulled back. Right. And what happens then? And I don't you know, I am not a fear monger at all, but I, I believe myself to be a realist, which is all you have to do is see the news. One of the questions, one of the last questions I want to ask you, Lauren, is this, you know, you ran in 2018 in Florida, mm-hmm. which is an incredibly complicated and place of great contradictions. What are some of the things that you learned in that run that has informed the work that you're doing now and can inform others that are interested in either throwing their hat in to be candidates or deciding that they, that they want to run campaigns? The first thing that I learned is that if you are an individual who feels the inclination to get involved in politics, uh, whether that's putting your own name 
on the ballot um, or joining a campaign as a member of staff, don't wait for an invitation because people might not invite you. It takes gut, it takes will, but if you've got that fire in your belly, go on and put yourself out there. Deciding to run was one of the most frightening things that I've ever done. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. probably the most deeply rewarding and impactful things I have ever done. And no one um, was asking me to do it. I decided to run for office when I was home with a tiny infant baby girl and struggling with the realization um, that she was born into a very different world than the one I wanted her to be born into. And Mm -hmm. I ultimately decided what am I going to do to to make my daughter proud? How am I going to answer her 10 or 15 years ago when she asks me what I was doing at that dark low point in our country's Mm -hmm. history? And I had to take the leap on my own and decide that putting myself in the arena was the right thing to do. So the the first big lesson is if you want to get involved, just do it, just go for it. And if you don't know how, come to arena, we will, we will help you out. You know, the second thing I I would say that I learned is that it is still incredibly, incredibly challenging to run for office. If you are in some way different than the majority (laughs) of people that we have elected throughout uh, the history of the United States. And, you know, let's be honest, they are almost exclusively white, straight, cisgendered men. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um, But what it also means is that we collectively, as a democratic community, need to think really hard about what are the structural barriers that have prevented us from running and electing more individuals who are representative of our our country as a whole. Are those economic and class-based barriers because it actually costs a great deal of money to, to run for the office? It's a full-time job. You, you can't be you know, working. Are there other forms of discrimination that are affecting um, BIPOC candidates or LGBTQ mm-hmm. candidates or female candidates from fundraising and bringing in as much money as others? And so one of the lessons I took away was that I was very fortunate to be able to do what I did, but that also involved a responsibility to in turn break down barriers to other individuals who ought to be running so that our politics could be more inclusive as a whole. And the final thing I would say I learned is that, you know, as important as the candidate is, the team they build around them is equally as important. And, yeah. and that is why. I'm so happy to have found uh, a post-candidacy home in ARENA, which is a community that I think in an organization that is really working to to break down those barriers to running for office, to break down those barriers for being a member of campaign staff, and to make our politics as a whole more equitable, more inclusive, more representative um, of this country. Lauren, I love it. And you're providing this very cynical Politico with um, with some hope that there are folks that are putting together the teams that are necessary for us to win. Tell everyone how they can follow you, find Arena, get more information so that they can 
opt in instead of opting out. Wonderful. Well, you can find Arena on Twitter at Arena Summit. Uh, you can find me at Lauren Bear. And if you are interested in attending one of our programs, go to arena.run slash academy. Applications are actually open now for our next Arena Academy in September. And we would love anyone and everyone who is interested about finding their way into politics as a profession to fill out that application form, join us for five days and start their political journey. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. And I hope that you will come back to us in the fall with some of your some of your folks, some of your new cohort um, to discuss what they are learning and how we're preparing to head into midterms. I would love nothing more. Thank you so much for having me. That is it for today's Woke AF Daily podcast. To hear more from me, including five full hour-long shows every single week, exclusive guest interviews, and more, support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Woke AF. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.